The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the fourth chapter, glory to you, O Christ. Our gospel this morning is indeed from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, and can be found on page, I don't have it in here, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, anyway. Luke records, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread, Jesus answered, It is written that man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone that I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Before we get started, I apologize that there was something went on with our live streaming. I think we're back on now, but uh, for those listening at home, uh, I told you there'd be some glitches. Luke records in chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, something that every year is um, maybe noticed by you, but every year The gospel for the first Sunday in Lent tells us about the time that Satan personally tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Last year, we heard the story from St. Mark, and next year, we will hear the story from St. Matthew, but this year, it is St. Luke's turn to tell us the story. All three Gospels tell us that Jesus endured 
Satan's temptation for 40 days, 40 days without eating. The early church fathers decided that the church should remember these 40 days of temptation with 40 days of repentance and preparation before Good Friday and Easter. And since the early church fathers thought that every Sunday was a a little Easter, they did not count the Sundays in those 40 days. And that is the reason that this Sunday is called the first Sunday in Lent and not the first Sunday of Lent. And that is also the reason that it takes us 46 calendar days to get through the 40 days of Lent. The events of the temptation take place shortly after John baptized Jesus in the Jordan. Now the baptism not only identified Jesus to the world, but also identified Jesus to Satan and to his demons. And as far as Satan was concerned, the baptism painted a a bullseye right on Jesus. And it made him Satan's number one target, just as Adam had been Satan's number one target after God created man. So it was not long after the baptism that Jesus had this battle with Satan. It is important. It is important to understand that these temptations were very, very real. We should not ever think that Jesus relied on his divine nature to get him through this event. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, Matthew and Luke remind us of Jesus' humanity by telling us that after Jesus battled Satan for 40 days without food, they record he was hungry. He was hungry. God doesn't get hungry. Hunger is a characteristic of Jesus' human nature. And the fact that Jesus was hungry reminds us that Jesus withstood Satan's attack using only his human nature. He used no resources that we, as humans, do not have. He didn't get hangry either. I'm sorry I had to throw that in there, but boy, I'll tell you what. Does anyone get upset when you're hungry? Maybe have a, okay, I'm the only one? Okay. The second temptation in today's gospel may be the cruelest of the three. Listen to me. Picture this. The devil took him up, and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him this, to you I will give all this authority and their glory 
For it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. Now, if you then will worship me, it'll all be yours. Satan showed all the kingdoms of the inhabited world to Jesus, and that these kingdoms we know originally belonged to God. He created them. And then he crowned Adam and Eve as king and as queen over these kingdoms. And when Adam and Eve fell into Satan's temptation, they gave over to Satan control over these kingdoms. Adam and Eve became slaves to sin in Satan's kingdom. And when we read Satan's words where he says, it has been delivered to me, given to me, this reminds us of the tragedy of Adam and Eve's surrender to the devil in Eden. Now, it's recorded that Satan showed these kingdoms to Jesus in an instant. And I'm sure that Jesus saw all of the cruelty, all of the sin, all of the pain in the world under Satan's influence. And it must have been like watching the torture and the suffering of your own family. Can you imagine? And then Satan offered Jesus a deal after he showed him all these things. And he says, I'm paraphrasing, you know, You could end all this pain and suffering. I would be willing to give this world back to you. And then you could run it any way you wanted. It could be such a simple transaction. You don't really have to go through all the shame or all of the pain and all the suffering and death to win back the world. No, there could be peace between Us now, Satan is offering to Jesus. It's a win-win situation. Come on. It's a no-brainer. All I ask in return is that you would worship me just one time. That's all. Satan says, I'm not asking for much. Not much at all, and you would receive so much in return. Why can't we just get along? This temptation never died. Today's gospel tells us when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. That means that the devil only withdrew in order to regroup and to attack again. And all three of the temptations followed Jesus through his entire ministry. Every time that people wanted to make Jesus their earthly king, they were doing Satan's will. They were tempting Jesus to forgo the agony of the cross by compromising with the devil. Even Peter, 
Good old Peter became Satan's tool. When Jesus began telling the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem to suffer, recorded in Matthew 16, verses 22 through 23, Peter took him aside, and he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus knew who was behind Peter's misguided concern. Now, the second temptation is still around today. Satan readily tells us that we can be at peace with all people. That all we need to do is surrender our faithfulness to God's word. So, it could be said, so what if not everyone agrees with the Bible 100%? As long as they agree on the really important articles of doctrine, what difference does it make if there are some minor discrepancies with the Bible? The important thing, the world says, is that we all get along, right? So what if we don't agree with a few minor points of God's word? It's the big deal. Do you want to be the one who determines which part of the Bible is is minor? I don't. So is infant baptism minor? What about the real presence of God in the sacrament of the altar? Is that minor? You know, some churches today seem to believe that that, uh, God's commandments concerning sexual purity are minor. Some churches seem to think that murdering infants before they are born is minor. Where does it end? What point do we decide that the entire Bible is minor and really not worth studying? So when we take it upon ourselves to determine that something in the Bible is minor, we are committing the most flagrant kind of idolatry. When we trivialize a part of God's word, we are making ourselves equal with God. In fact, we are trying to place ourselves above God by arrogantly judging his word. We are falling into Satan's trap. Satan would have us place peace and unity with the children of this world above our peace and unity with God. When we make God's word minor, we disarm ourselves in the presence of the enemy. 
Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 6, verse 17, said, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, you realize, you've heard it said, but the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, is the one and only offensive weapon at our disposal. We notice how Jesus used this offensive weapon in today's gospel. He writes, it is written, or he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, he said, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he says, it is said that you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. God's word is the weapon Jesus used to stop Satan. It is the weapon that God gave to us. So how dare we throw it in a corner? How dare we let it get dusty and rusty? God's word is the means that the Holy Spirit uses to produce and sustain faith in us. St. Paul writes to the Romans. In Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God. It is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So when we make God's word minor, we are committing slow spiritual suicide. We often fall to Satan's compromises, but Jesus never did. Jesus withstood Satan's temptation on our behalf. He is our champion. He never compromised with Satan. Instead, Jesus stayed on the hard road on the way to the cross. And eventually, the word was his again, but not through compromise. The world was his again, not through compromise. Jesus fulfilled every promise God made. Jesus withstood Satan himself in the wilderness of hunger. He withstood Satan's agents during his ministry. He endured temptation even to the cross. And Jesus never, ever wavered. And in the end, Jesus defeated sin. He defeated death. And he defeated the devil. He rose from the dead. He bought us back with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death that we might be his own and live under him in his eternal kingdom. And with his victory on the cross, Jesus earned forgiveness for us. And the Holy Spirit brings that forgiveness to us as he works faith in us through word 
and sacrament. And the Holy Spirit will aid us in our struggle, in our struggle with Satan's temptations, including the temptation to compromise God's word. He will strengthen our faith, and he will bring us home to life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen.